As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greyhound bus ticket cost about $117. It bought 25-year-old John Hinckley Jr. a trip from California to Washington, D.C. in March of 1981. The bus passed through Las Vegas, Cheyenne, Chicago, Cleveland, and other cities during the four-day journey. Hinckley spent much of the trip slouched in his bus seat, watching the scenery go by outside his window. The failed songwriter also passed the time on the bus reading The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. The famous novel had been in the news a lot at the time because of its connection to a grisly murder. John Lennon is dead. The former Beatle, who was 40, was returning home from a recording studio with his wife, Yoko Ono, when he was murdered. Police have a suspect in custody whom they describe only as a local screwball. His attacker made no attempt to flee. Police say he is Mark David Chapman, 25, who came to New York a week ago. As we saw in season one of The Thread, the police found Lennon's killer, Mark David Chapman, reading The Catcher in the Rye just minutes after shooting the rock star. John Hinckley had a lot in common with Chapman, and much more than just his love of the Salinger novel. Hinckley was also a pudgy 25-year-old loner, one who battled depression for years. He too found himself drawn toward darker fantasies, to stalking his favorite celebrity. He also felt a need to leave his mark upon the world and he too would pull the trigger when the time came. John Hinckley's Greyhound bus fare proved to be more than just his passage across the country. It was his ticket to a date with destiny. You see, John Hinckley was on his way to shoot the President of the United States. He just didn't know it yet. Why, Lord, why must I learn to testify When all I want to be is just a catcher in the rye History contains many sliding doors, fateful moments that seem unrelated, but that are actually connected. Every season on The Thread, we take a six degrees of separation approach to sharing some of history's greatest interconnected stories. We explore how these stories hinge on the past and influence the future. In this special bonus episode, we're going to pull on a meta thread. We'll explore some of the surprising connections between this past season of The Thread on the insanity defense and accused killers like John Hinckley and our first season of The Thread, 
about the murder of John Lennon and some of the events that led to it. Lennon's death made its own waves in history, and one of those was in the life of John Hinckley Jr., the man who took a Greyhound bus across the country and tried to kill President Ronald Reagan. But this tale really starts with the book Hinckley was reading on that bus ride. Why, Lord, why must I learn to testify When all I want to be is just a catcher in the rye the author J.D. Salinger almost didn't live long enough to write The Catcher in the Rye, and the novel's beloved protagonist, the teenage rebel Holden Caulfield, could easily have been relegated to the pages of a single story of The New Yorker. But fate had a far more powerful ending in store. Salinger's life, like those of so many Americans, was upended in December 1941. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Salinger was drafted after Pearl Harbor and assigned to the 4th Infantry Division. In January 1944, he left for England, where he joined tens of thousands of American soldiers preparing for the Allied invasion of Europe. When D-Day came, Sergeant Salinger crowded into a landing craft with 30 men. Ladies and gentlemen, we may be approaching a fateful hour all night long, bulletins have been pouring in from Berlin claiming that D-Day is here, claiming that the invasion of Western Europe has begun. Salinger landed with the second wave on Utah Beach just after 6.30 in the morning on June 6, 1944. Salinger wrote that when he stormed the beach of Normandy on D-Day, he had with him on his person six chapters of The Catcher in the Rye. This is Ken Slowinski author of J.D. Salinger, A Life. No one else had copies. In other words, if something were to happen to Salinger, Holden Caulfield would die. Salinger lived through D-Day. And he carried these six chapters throughout the war. As if, I think, as if there were a sort of talisman. As if he uh, derived strength from them. The Catcher in the Rye would also survive the war. But its survival and publication meant that others would die most famously John Lennon, and nearly Ronald Reagan, too. Okay, flash forward 35 years to the streets of New York City. Salinger's great novel has found its way into the hands of the person that news reports will soon refer to as the local screwball. On December 8, 1980, Mark David Chapman was a, a very confused person. He was uh, literally living inside of a paperback novel, J.D. Salinger's A Catcher in the Rye. This is Mark David Chapman speaking to CNN's Larry King. He's talking about himself in the third person. He was uh, vacillating between uh, suicide, between catching the first taxi home, between killing, uh, as you said, an icon. In his mind, Chapman believed that he had become a living version of the novel's protagonist. He had come to New York, the scene of the novel, in part because he felt like he was destined to become Holden Caulfield. Chapman was also tired of being a nobody. He wanted to do something that would make himself famous and draw attention to his favorite novel. Chapman got a hotel room. And then uh, I left the hotel room, bought a copy of The Catcher in the Rye, signed it to Holden Caulfield from Holden Caulfield, and wrote underneath that, this is my statement. But Chapman was still vacillating. He was looking for a sign, a sign that he was meant to be doing what he was in New York to do, that he was meant to go down in history as the killer of John Lennon, then he found it, 
on page 197. The book read, It was Monday and all, and pretty near Christmas, and all the stores were open. Chapman couldn't believe it. It was Monday, near Christmas, and he was in New York. With new hope, Chapman pursued his mission. With the catcher in the rye in hand, he waited for Lennon outside the musician's apartment building near Central Park. Later, Chapman fired five hollow-point bullets at his childhood hero. Then he returned to his book. This is Lennon biographer, Tim Riley. The reports are that he starts reading this novel as the chaos erupts around him. So the police cars arrive, people point out, this is the gunman right here, he's standing there reading this novel. It's bizarre. Years later, Chapman described the scene to CNN's Larry King. It was like the film strip broke. I took the catch in the rye out of my pocket. I paced, I tried to read it. I, I just couldn't wait, Larry, until those police got there. I was just devastated. John Hinckley Jr. was born just 19 days after Mark David Chapman in the year 1955. He was born in Ardmore, Oklahoma, just 100 miles north of Chapman's birthplace in Fort Worth, Texas. He was also a loner who kept to himself. He too had a vivid fantasy life. Hinckley was infatuated with the teenage actress Jodie Foster. He wrote her long love letters. He called her on the phone, conversations he tape recorded. Who is this? Oh, oh, no, not you, a kid. Look, I really can't talk to you, okay? Hinckley became obsessed with winning the love of Jodie Foster, and that quest took on a new urgency when Hinckley's favorite musician, John Lennon, was gunned down on a New York sidewalk in December 1980. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon shot twice in the back rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. Three weeks after Lennon died, John Hinckley spent New Year's Eve alone. He was extremely depressed. He drank peach brandy and ranted into a tape recorder. The audio from those tapes was never made public, but some of the statements Hinckley made on them were. In them, he drew a direct line between John Lennon's death and his own situation. I just want to say goodbye to the old year, which was nothing. Total misery, total death. John Lennon is dead. The world is over. Forget it. Anything that I might do in 1981 would be solely for Jodie Foster's sake. One of my idols was murdered, and now Jodie's the only one left. In another recording, Hinckley played the guitar and sang Lennon's hit song, Oh Yoko, substituting the name Jodie for Yoko. His love of Jodie Foster, along with John Lennon's untimely death, was about to lead Hinckley to attempt his own historic murder. Almost four months later, after his epic Greyhound bus ride, John Hinckley checked into a hotel in Washington, D.C. In his suitcase, he carried his copy of The Catcher in the Rye, as well as a biography of John Lennon. He had started to fantasize about something new, a way to draw attention to himself and demonstrate to Foster how much he loved her. Hinckley had read in the newspaper that President Reagan was giving a speech across town that day. So that morning, March 30th, 1981, Hinckley stood in his Washington hotel room. He loaded his gun and stashed it in his jacket pocket. He placed a John Lennon pen into another pocket. He then left the hotel. He, like Mark David Chapman, was about to leave his mark on history. 
As we reported moments ago, there were shots fired just as President Reagan emerged from the Washington Hilton Hotel today after delivering a speech. Ronald Reagan had a life-threatening gunshot wound, but he survived. After Reagan's near death and John Lennon's murder, the catcher in the rye kept turning up at crime scenes. In 1989, Robert John Bardo had a copy of it on him when he murdered the actress, Rebecca Schaefer. So the catcher in the rye did, uh, throughout the 80s... Ken Slowinski again. Uh, ...become the symbol of not just only disaffected youth, which is what it had been uh, for years before that, but of crazy disaffected youth. Mark David Chapman uh, was a sick individual. Chapman's defense lawyers were confident he would be found not guilty by reason of insanity. But Chapman insisted on pleading guilty. He claimed he killed Lennon to promote the reading of The Catcher in the Rye. When the judge asked if he had anything to say at his sentencing hearing in 1981, Chapman stood and read a passage from the book. He was sentenced to 20 years to life, and he remains incarcerated in a maximum security prison in New York State. John Hinckley Jr. did plead insanity at his trial which lasted seven weeks. The jury's verdict in that case shocked many across the country. John W. Hinckley Jr. has been found not guilty by reason of insanity on all 13 counts. Hinckley was sentenced to be confined to a psychiatric hospital in Washington, D.C., where he would remain until he was released in 2016. The real legacy of Hinckley's trial, however, came in the changes to the law that followed, including efforts in many states to narrow or abolish insanity plea laws. The U.S. Supreme Court will hear a challenge to one of those laws this October. And such is the way that history so often works. One thing leads to another, like a series of dominoes slowly falling. J.D. Salinger survives the war. He finishes writing The Catcher in the Rye. The novel finds its way into the hands of a disturbed young man named Mark David Chapman. Chapman murders his hero, John Lennon. An equally disturbed fan of Lennon's decides to leave his own mark on the world. Five months later, John Hinckley Jr. nearly kills the President of the United States. And the public outrage over his acquittal on grounds of insanity changes how decades of criminal defendants will be treated. And the dominoes keep falling and will continue to fall. The Thread is produced by Robert Kulos, Sophia Perpetua, and me, Sean Braswell. Chris Hoff engineered our show. This episode features the song Catcher in the Rye by Sammy Walker. To learn more about The Thread, visit ozzy.com slash the thread, all one word. And make sure to subscribe to The Thread on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on iHeartRadio or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out at ozzy.com or on Twitter and Facebook. If you love surprising, engaging stories from history, look no further than the flashback section of ozzy.com. That's ozy.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. 
And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.